Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Drive Through HR, the internet's number one HR radio talk show, and it's a it's it's a bonus episode of Drive Through HR. We are talking with Katrina Kidden today, the CEO of Three Ears Media. Katrina, how are you? I'm so well, thank you. How are you? You know what? I'm good. I am doing well, thank you. Um, it's a it's an interesting day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> To say the least. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, I mean, let's let's not dance around it. There's lots of reasons today is interesting, not the least of which is that you got passport photos done. So, uh, are you going anywhere? Right. So, fun fact: you cannot smile during passport photos, and you know me, I can't not smile, and so. I just look really awkward trying to not smile, but still perking up my cheeks at the same time. So the pictures are horrible and let's hope only agents ever see them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's how mine is for sure. Well, so Katrina, I know you and I've known you for years. Um, I mean, back in the day when you were, I hate to say just writing because writing is really important, but when you were writing and didn't own your own business, but for people who maybe don't know you, how about you do a little introduction and talk about who you are and why you're here? Absolutely. So my name is Katrina Kibben, like Crystal said. Uh, I run a company called Three Ears Media, but that is surely not where things began. Um, so in my background, I've been a social media ninja at monster.com. I believe that's where we met way, way back in the day. Um, I have been a blogger, I've been a employer brand technical copywriter, and now I have the best job in the world, and I am a writing coach for recruiters. Um, We specifically focus on those high-impact pieces of content, so writing job postings, writing great emails, and even sometimes working on that career side and bringing that story to life, so we're all about writing in recruiting. Uh, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I believe we're going to talk about National Coming Out Day, which is something else that I think is really relevant, especially with everything that's happening in the Supreme Court um, and just, I mean, frankly, the reality of work today. Yeah, and then I appreciate that. And so um, before we dive into that piece, because you're right, that is a big part of what we want to tackle today, um, I want to give you a little nod and say that I was um, actually taping a show with, Kyle, not Kyle, sorry, taping a show with Lane Sutton uh, yesterday. He'll be on the drive-through next week. Um, and it was really interesting. I, I really enjoyed um, talking with him, but you came up in the context of some of the workshops that you do to help recruiters um, 
write better job ads. And so there was a little bit of a shout out there. So in addition to writing contact, content, you also do workshops, correct? I do. So I believe everyone should have the philosophies and the tactics in hand to be great writers. I think that's my greatest impact. I can't write everyone's job postings, but I sure can teach everyone else how I do it. And so I host uh, digital and in-person workshops for individuals or teams that can level up your team on the spot. Awesome. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was right there. So if you're interested in that, obviously you can reach out to Katrina at threeearsmedia.com. But now let's talk about National Coming Out Day. Um, So, you know, maybe at a high level, we can talk about what the day is and and what it isn't. And I did ask you to come on because I feel like it's a little bit tone deaf for me to be like, here's how you should come out to your people at work having never had to do that. So, (laughs) might might be a little bit odd. I mean, I I have had to admit a love of World of Warcraft in my earlier days, but it's not the same thing. So, not quite. (laughs) Not really. Like, at all. (laughs) So, why is this day important? Like, why does it matter in the grand scheme of things? And what makes it different than, say, like, National Chocolate Cake Day? Right. Well, so, I want to tell two stories that why it's so personal for me. And I think it'll illustrate, I think for other people who may not have this experience, how significant it can be. So the first story, so I was an army brat and I remember I had feelings. I'm gay, by the way, if people don't know that, Uh, (laughs) not just an advocate, I'm a liver of the the LGBTQ (laughs) lifestyle. Um, But so when I was a kid, I grew up on military bases. And uh, if you're old enough, you remember a little thing called don't ask, don't tell. And that basically made it a fireable offense for anyone in the military to be gay and to be out. And so I grew up in a world where gay did not exist. And I I don't say that lightly because when we live in a world where concepts do not exist to us, you cannot be what you cannot see. And that includes being gay because I had all of these feelings and I had no idea what it was because I had never seen a gay woman in my life. Never. And so fast forward to when I went to work. And so I, I eventually came out, but I came out in my personal life long before I ever came out at work. I actually, fun fact, my newsletter, my letter of the week today is about this exact moment. And so when I was a ninja at monster.com, I was a straight ninja. I had hair to my shoulders, long ringlets. I wore a lot of pink. I'm not lying. I tried everything to be straight. I changed every pronoun. I changed the names of my partners. Mm. And I was marrying a woman and I still hadn't told my team. And that was a lot of things mixed together, but mostly fear because it's completely legal to fire someone for being gay. Now, fast forward five years and I lost my job and I didn't, I couldn't hide anymore. I didn't even own the pink clothes anymore. I had cut all my hair off. I wrote, I blogged about being gay and I lived in Tennessee. And 
my first thought when I was laid off was I'll never be able to get a job here because they'll know I'm gay. And that was so real. And I didn't get job offers from people in Tennessee. I actually went without a gig for about six weeks. And I had all the skills and all the talent in the world. And I'd like to believe that maybe my resume didn't make it to the top of the pile or whatnot. But somewhere deep down, I know it had to do with being gay. And so I tell you those stories because coming out, it actually, it's, it's a moment of pride. It's a moment of all of us together being able to say, we're not going to hide anymore. And yeah. we shouldn't have negative consequences because we don't want to hide our life and our love. You know, okay, so let me say a couple of things. You said something in there that literally made me tear up a little bit because I look at this in the context of my daughters and my, you know, I, yeah, I'm old enough to have grandsons and, and hope that they never have to deal with what you dealt with. Like you, you should never be afraid of being who you are and you shouldn't have to change who you are. And I've never had to experience that, honestly. So I can't, I can't relate to it on the level that you do, but I can understand that it's wrong. So how are we in 2019 still in a place where we've got what two thirds of today's youth say that leadership leadership, the people that are supposed to be helping them be the best versions of themselves, have equated their very being of being LGBTQ as negative and have, have said things to that extent. Like, how are we here? How are we still here? And how does that impact us at work? Yeah. Well, I learn every day and I'm reminded regularly that you and I, the world we live in, we are the exception, not the rule. Mm -hmm. Um, we, you know, it's funny, you'll be on like a Facebook group, right? And people start commenting, oh, I can't believe they don't do X, Y, Z practice. And the reality is that people who are in forums where they can be the best in class, where they can share their experiences, you are an exception. You are elite. You're not average in any way. Um, and I say that both as a compliment to everyone, but also, as a little bit of perspective because the middle of America is vast and large. And there are a lot of beliefs that many of us would say belong in 1999, not 2019. Right. Oh, and by the way, those are, those are remote offices of our headquarters in New York. Right. Those are, those are major headquarters of huge corporations who have liberal offices and they talk really poorly about them. Right. Well, and I think, I think part of it, and, and I think that's why we still have the problem is because so many of us, we live in the extremes and we assume that everyone lives in that space. Right. Yeah. People who live in the extreme conservative assume that everyone hides while people who live in the extreme liberal liberal wonder why everyone's not in the parade. And there's not a lot of middle ground and there's not a lot of honest conversations about what that means when you put people together in an office. Oh my gosh, there's not. And I mean, and let's be real, like being gay is not, I mean, again, I can say this, I'm not gay, but being gay is not all about coming out parades and, and yes. rainbow flag unicorns. Like I, 
get really frustrated as a as a straight person. I get really frustrated when that's the conversation gets reduced to because we're missing the stuff that's causing that's causing people to kill themselves. That's causing yeah. people to be every day upset. And so, you know, I look at today and go, this is an opportunity for all of us, whether we're in middle middle America or the liberal office, to to say, okay, how can I help someone just be themselves today, be their whole selves today. And, and I think that's probably starting to have some really uncomfortable conversations in our workplaces. And how do we do that? Like, where do you start when you're in middle, middle America in either or, or really any place in a semi-tolerant environment, right? Yeah. I mean, a great example, right? Can you fathom if someone in... A, a city no one has ever heard of in Missouri um, <laughs> came in and said, uh, I would like, my pronoun is they now. I'd like you to use that pronoun for me. Can you imagine how that would go over at a mechanic, at a uh, large scale food services company on a manufacturing floor? Now, and, and I, I say that because I imagine there are people listening to this going, oh, oh, whoa, right? Because, and I say this with, honestly, a little bit of like shame on my own part. So in my own experience, there's a speaker on the conference circuit and their pronoun is they. That is the pronoun that they prefer. So I was out to dinner with a friend of theirs and I said the wrong pronoun and I kept saying it and mind you, I'm part of this community. Right. And she looked me dead in the eye and was like, they, and she corrected me every single time. They, 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 right. And, and I say, and I think that that's, that's just a, a reality, right? So if we, if I feel scared, right. If I feel anxious and shameful about something that I said, can you imagine how someone with completely opposite values of me, who's trying to accept someone in their office feels? how scared they might feel? Yeah, I can. You know, so along those same lines, my, uh, my son and my my daughter and son-in-law have a friend that's transitioning. And so he is no longer he, he is she, and, and he was always she, right? But now her, right. ex, her external self will reflect her internal self. And that, um, like, it was surprising to me that it, it took me a minute to, to, like, be able to make that, that adjustment. But it didn't take my daughter and my son-in-law any time at all. Like, yeah. the, the minute Dallas said, hey, I identify as a woman, I would really like you to start using those pronouns. It was easy for them. It was natural for them, which makes yeah. me wonder a little bit, you know, are, and it makes me hopeful a little bit that the emerging workforce and the younger generation get it on a level that I, I'm going to say our age loosely because I know I'm several years older than you. Our <laughs> <laughs> age loosely, yes. <laughs> and more importantly, the people above us that are leading all of these corporations right now, the, the people that are in their um, 
40s and 50s and 60s that are really the still a large part of the power center of America, um, where they're not only do they not get it, there's a lot of intolerance for it. And so, so I'm hopeful that maybe it gets easier as we move along. But, um, you know, my son-in-law works in a manufacturing environment and so does Dallas. And it was very natural for their coworkers. I don't know if that, that same thing held true for those human resources representatives. And that's really disappointing. Um, so I want to get into that in a second on how we can help educate the HR and talent acquisition space to be a little more um, inclusive. Yeah. But before we do that, I need to do a quick reset. So if you are just now joining us, you are listening to Drive Through HR. It is National Coming Out Day. So, you know, we'd have her on anyway, but I've got Katrina. In fact, I think we did four months ago. But <laughs> we have Katrina Kevin, uh, CEO of Three Years Media, um, LGBTQ advocate, and also um, gay on the show with us. So that's a really weird thing to include in an announcement to me. Like, I know, I right? It feels weird. <laughs> Because I don't, I don't look at Katrina and go, oh, yeah, that's my gay friend, Katrina. And she's like, that's just my friend, Katrina, right? So um, that's, that's what I do. But that, that kind of segues into, like, when we're talking about recruitment, we don't recruit gay people or straight people or side gender people. It was like there's that sexuality at work is just something that's so taboo to your, I guess, beginning story of don't ask, don't tell. Mm-hmm. And... You know, to some extent, the HR person in me goes, yeah, I don't want any of the sexual harassment lawsuits that come along with saying everyone be open about who, your sexuality at work, but, but kind of straight people always have been, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's implied that you should hide at work. I think we, for a long time, it was understood that professional meant there were two versions of who you are, right? That at work, you were one version of yourself and at home, you were a different version of yourself. And that distinction, I think, has very gradually progressed into one identity, unless you are really holding on to that old feeling I do think, especially because of social media, we're blurring the lines at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And so I think that means that there, I think we have a lot of rules in our head that do not serve us when it comes to creating an environment that's better for everyone, right? So, so that HR voice in your head is like, well, if I tell no, everyone to be quiet, then I don't have to worry about this one thing, right? And that's a rule that doesn't necessarily serve culture. It doesn't serve growth, and it doesn't serve creating great relationships between people because we cannot connect on a professional level without the injection of our personal beliefs and feelings in our life. Absolutely. So how do we... Um, how do we start to turn that tide? Because let's, let's be real. If it's going to turn in your organization, HR may not be in charge of making that happen. But I think if the conversation isn't starting in HR and recruiting, it's probably not going to. Right. Right. Oh. So what does step one look like? I mean, I, I, there's stuff on National Coming Out Day. Like, so by the way, if you're looking for resources, hrc.org has resources on how to come out 
in all kinds of different scenarios, but also talking about the climate for LGBTQ workers nationwide and coming out at work and coming out of work as transgender, um, still very much and, and rightfully so directed towards the person coming out. But if yeah. you're, regardless of your orientation, if you're in a position at work to where you can start to drive that equality, because it's an equality issue, right? Um, yeah. If you can drive that equality in the workplace, what are some things that they need to be thinking about to get this conversation started? So I, I'm trying to think of the most politically correct way of saying this, but I t- typically, right, we see people with similar stories bond together. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the middle-aged guy with two young kids bonds with the other middle-aged guy that has two kids and their wives become best friends and it all just makes sense, right? And so, and and this is a personal answer, by the way. I'm not an expert on this. Like, this is just my life. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, not that I expect you to have all of the answers simply because, you know, this is an experience you've but, you know, you have had to deal with sexuality in the workplace in a way that yeah. a lot of people consciously don't have to. And exactly. so, you know, if you could put yourself in the position of what do I wish had happened for me or how I, how I would create in your own company as you are hiring people and expanding your organization, you know, how do I want this environment to be intentionally crafted? Right. Well, I, I love that. And that's, I think about that a lot, a lot, because I have worked in environments where I worked with four white dudes and they literally called me a gay one day. Well, you're what? a gay. What do you think? I'm not kidding. Right. So I, I when I, the reason I was telling the whole like like-minded people group together, it's because like stories float to the top. And so if you want to create an environment where queer and trans people feel safe, their stories have to be equally valid to you. So that when you go around the room and you say, what did you do this weekend? Every person feels safe to tell the real story, at least the work version, right? I I don't need to know what you did after an 8 p.m., but the rest of it. (laughs) I... I want to live in a world and I want to create a company where we talk about every story of our team, where all of us have different stories and we take pride in all of them because they are part of our filter as we write and create. And I think it's even more so in my world um, of being a writer and teaching writing because we also have to teach people how to communicate effectively and create that level playing field with our words, because our words dictate so much of that, whether we're telling a story or we're writing about the work. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, so, yeah. you know, from a from an employer brand standpoint, because that's that's really where I play the most, right? Mm-hmm. As employer brand, working at marketing, talent transformation strategies. So, so when I look at that every year, I work with clients, and I'm like, all right. So these are the months where we can talk about sexual orientation equality. And I, I still get met like almost, not completely 100%, but almost um, with the, yeah, I don't, I don't know that people are going to want to talk about that. You know, I don't know that people yeah. are going to share those stories. And, 
And, and my first reaction is always like, oh, come on. What that means is you really don't want to ask that, right? Until, and, and maybe that's true for some organizations, until, you know, one day I actually said that because my filter wasn't on. <laughs> you know, so my client was like, no, no, like we have asked that and nobody says anything. So then we just look dumb because we're pushing an issue that nobody wants to talk about. Like, well, how are you asking it? So, well, we have posters and we, you know, we have signage and we have emails and like, okay. So, so basically you're, you're sending what feels like a semi-anonymous message asking someone to take the first step to come and identify. Is that, is that a comfortable way of doing things or is there a better way to elicit those stories? No, 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 no posters, no emails, no request for stories. <laughs> this is not NPR. Like we are not, this is not story core, right? This is work. This is work, right? And I'm a human who wants to feel safe at work. So I think, so the reason I say that, and I'm half joking, is like, I think companies need to tell us their story before we're ever going to be comfortable telling them ours. And what I mean by that is, if you want to talk to me, whatever theme, month, or at any time about my life, show me how you're going to take care of me. Talk about my life, like you have any idea what it means. Um, so here's an example. A few years ago, um, my partner worked at a very large top four consulting firm, and they had a very significant adoption benefit, very significant, only for straight couples. Oh, my gosh. Right. And so they kept sending me all these messages. Tell me your story, blah, blah, blah. But they weren't talking about the reality of my life. There was no story I was going to share because you, they already determined that I was not equal. Right. And so what I would say is look at what you do and how you function as a company and tell that story back to your people before you ask them to be vulnerable. You be vulnerable first. I think that's excellent advice. I, you know, it occurs to me um, several years ago, Several, several years ago, uh, J.P. Morgan was actually probably a really good example of being vulnerable first, right? So they created an employee resource group. And um, so, so basically, uh, it was it more or less an internet system. And they, they, they said, okay, anybody can create a group, like whatever, whatever floats your boat. We ride unicorns on weekends, whatever, don't care. Uh, the only requirement is there has to be activity in the group, right? And so they were really protective of employees being able to find their like, like whatever their like happened to be, whether it was playing World of Warcraft or, you know, um, LGBTQ groups, which several forms, um, and allowing them to just organically create a space safe for themselves. Over time, they were able to tell stories and, and things like that because they, they created a forum by which people were able to feel comfortable just being who they were at work and everyone knew that the group was there right it's not like it was an anonymous thing but it was just kind of like a, okay we're putting it out there you do things how you want to do it and, and there were enough progressive people within their organization to make that happen not all companies are like that 
And so I yeah. think when it's a show us how you can be vulnerable if you're, if you're telling companies, hey, you guys need to take the first step, and I think that's fair, then I think what you need to look at or what we all need to look at is how can we do that in a way that our employees will trust. And sometimes yeah. I think, actually often when I think of this topic, I think of employee resource groups as being a very natural first step to this. Like before you're soliciting all of the stories, like put together some employee resource groups, create some forums where people can support one another. And you're just basically miyagiing the thing by architecting it. You're not, you're not running it. You're not. Exactly. Um, uh, choreographing it, right? You're just providing the space. Yep. You prompt. You you give them great questions, right? You ask them what's wrong. You let them be angry. You let them be happy. You let them be proud. I think if we make room for all the emotions, then we can make room for the stories. I think a lot of people pretend that you can have stories without emotion, and we both know that's not real. Yeah, not at all. So we got about a minute and 36 seconds ish left. 90 seconds now. <laughs> and I want to leave on one. We talked about the emerging workforce a little bit. And just, you know, I feel like, Katrina, if you could say something, and you can because you're, you're on the show, it's the emerging workforce today. Like, what do you want them to know? Be brave. All of those rules that all of us told you about work are lies. The work, work is what you make it. It's a space that you create. Be brave for yourself and for everyone else. I think that's pretty good advice. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) It may may feel easier to say and hard to do, but I think when we look at bravery, we look at very small actions, right? Bravery doesn't have to be taking charge and winning a giant war. Sometimes bravery is opening the door and having a conversation or just going to get a cup of coffee. Like it doesn't have to be a huge thing. So whatever bravery looks like. Yes, bravery is correcting that pronoun, right? Bravery is standing up and saying, you're not giving equal time to my story. It's, 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 it is. It's the, the smallest moments that add up. Katrina, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're going to have to wrap the show. I, I would say for everybody listening, please, please, please look at some of the links that we have on the show. Um, show page or go to threeearsmedia.com. We will see you next week when we talk to the effervescent Lane Sutton. Thank you very much and have a good day.